Greetings, friends and family. It is the weekend of Sunday, December 18th. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent. And today we continue looking um, at Advent of the season of, of preparation, the season of provision from our Holy God. And then what does that produce in us as we draw nearer and nearer to the celebration of the birth of Christ Looking today at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 14, it's entitled Grounded Joy. Um, And there were shepherds living out in fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Around the world today, churches are celebrating the fourth Sunday of Advent. And today we celebrate God's promise of joy, which sounds a lot like happiness, right? I mean, sometimes people will use the words joyful and happy and blessed almost interchangeably, but they are not quite the same thing. On some websites, you can indicate your mood at the time of your post, and one of the choices is often happy, in quotation marks. Happiness is a temporary mood, probably based on any number of circumstances, Like whether you had coffee this morning, whether a friend called or didn't, what kind of headlines ran across your feed today, whether there are some interesting plans in your day. You see, happiness is one of those sort of basic yet shallow feelings, part of that sad, mad, glad trio that never gets any deeper than superficial. The kind of joy that these prophets express and the kind of joy that they call us to seek isn't just happiness. It's not just a feeling. It's not just a cheerfulness brought on by the smell of some cinnamon maybe coming down the hall or the thought of some old jolly elf bringing fun new toys. So then how do we get it? You know, some of us have have had a hard enough time summoning up happiness or cheer and and others of us, you know, we, we just simply are constantly in a cheerful disposition. Many of us, if we're honest, this time of year are frantically rushing around, getting everything decorated and wrapped and baked, and, you know, we don't seem to have any time for any of it. And, and I wonder if we're truly honest with ourselves, how many of us would admit that we pretend to be happy even when we aren't at Christmas time or any time? Because we think that that's what people expect of us. Do we, do we use our smiles to mask something that's deeper down? Do we keep working on happiness, hoping it will one day be enough? The time of Jesus' birth was a dark and dismal period in Israel's history. The promised land was occupied by the Romans. And the voice of the Lord had not been heard for 400 years. The Jewish faith was reduced to just mere formalism by the scribes and the Pharisees. A lot of the clergy looked and sounded religious but in reality were nothing of the sort. They were just whitewashed. 
And the people of God were divided into different camps. Zealots, who had tried to overthrow foreign oppression. Herodians, who favored the policies of Herod, Antipas, and and, and thus supported the Roman government. The, The Pharisees and the Sadducees. And within this setting, Israel needed to hear desperately a message of joy. You know, she needed to hear a message of hope and anticipation in in order to weather the storms of life. And in the midst of all of these dark moments, the people clung to the promise of the Messiah because the Messiah's coming meant joy would be restored. The Messiah's coming is good news of great joy. Luke 2, verse 10. I I wonder how cheerful Mary and Joseph were that first Advent. Mary, an unmarried teenager, suddenly pregnant. And Joseph, a man who'll be supporting a family before he even pays for a wedding. Both of them in a small village where everyone will know their scandal before the end of the day. And in a culture where Mary's choice to say yes to God could easily have gotten her killed. Yet in the midst of that, she sings this song, My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has done great things for me. He has fed the hungry and lifted up the lowly, and holy is his name. Her song is really not all that different from Horatio Spafford, who wrote one of the most famous hymns ever, It's Well With My Soul. The hymn was written after some traumatic events in in Spafford's life. The first was the 1871 Great Chicago Fire, which absolutely ruined him financially. He had been a successful lawyer and had invested significantly in property in the area of Chicago that was extensively damaged by the Great Fire. His business interests were further than hit by the economic downturn of 1873, at which time he had planned to travel to Europe with his family. And, and, And in a late change of plan, he sent the family ahead while he was delayed on business concerning zoning problems following the Great Chicago Fire. While crossing the Atlantic, their ship sank rapidly after a collision with another vessel, the Loch Ern, and all four of them, of Spafford's daughters, died. His wife Anna survived and sent him a very now famous telegram, Saved Alone. Shortly afterwards, As Spafford traveled to meet his grieving wife, he was inspired to write these words as as his ship passed near where his daughters had died. Or perhaps we remember the prophet Isaiah looking around at the ruined city his people were hoping to rebuild, trying to preach the word to people of the fair-weather faith, proclaiming that God has promised to plant them in fertile ground so they can grow into oaks of righteousness that glorify the Lord, offering a vision of justice and joy. If anyone had a reason to mask his or her fear with false cheer, it was these. Yet, in the face of all three, they proclaim joy instead. Margaret Amer, the academic dean at Austin Seminary, is quoted as saying this, Joy is an act of faithful subversion in a world that tells you to be scared and sad. I would add that it's also an act of faithful subversion in a world that tells you to cover up your true self with that sad, mad, glad trio. Joy is well beyond anything in our culture, our possessions, our country, our media, even relationships and what they can give us. Joy comes from one place. And that's from seeking and finding and being found and in the presence of the Lord. 
And interestingly, it seems that God has even shown us the way to joy. Did we, did we hear it? Did we remember? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to release the captives, to comfort the mourning, to rebuild, restore, renew. I, the Lord, love justice. Could it be that the way to know the joyful fruit of the Spirit is to practice? Not to, not to just simply look up at the ceiling or the sky, anticipating something better. Not to turn away from suffering because it's depressing and ugly, but instead to get more grounded, to reach to our roots, to push down or perhaps to be pushed down into the earth and let God grow us like a seed, to live fully into our calling as the anointed ones. The body of Christ made to bring grace to a world in need, to shine light into a world of darkness, to serve instead of being served. It seems so obvious that it seems almost trite. We've all heard the stories before. We've told the stories. These stories of giving, of selving, helping, feeding, finding more joy in those moments than in opening the presents under the tree, looking into the eyes of of a child receiving their first present ever due to Operation Christmas Child, or handing a hungry family a Christmas dinner, or helping someone find their way through the food pantry for the first time, visiting an inmate who wonders if they'll ever see their family again, looking at the photos of students in the developing world and finally getting who are finally getting running water in their school, or meeting a missionary, or praying for the person sitting next to you in the seats being in war-torn countries, providing warmth and nutrition. These are all things that we've done. Maybe not us individually, but we've done, we've participated in. And for all of us, we've found more of the Spirit in them than in all the decorations in the stores and on the streets. Is it still possible that the way to joy, to, to the real Christmas Spirit, is through being more fully who God has called us to be, in the place that God has called us. Is it possible that Christmas joy comes from us being the site of God's incarnation, God's taking on flesh, God's becoming or coming to be with us? Maybe when we bear Christ into the world, the way that Mary bore Christ in her body, when we don't just speak good news, but we are good news, when we are creators of justice, then we will also find, a, find joy, a joy that is beyond mere cheer. A joy that is grounded and it's growing. A joy that is subversive and holy. And may we know that this joy has come for us all. Just as it was first revealed to the shepherds over 2,000 years ago and is being revealed to us again as we journey through Advent on our way to Bethlehem. Hope, peace, love, and joy. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen, and God bless.